0: If you're online right now, thank you for joining us online. Come on, let our online family hear a little welcome. Thank you so much for being with us as well. One of our online hosts, I believe it's Teddy, will be engaging with you today. And we're super grateful on Facebook and YouTube for those who are joining us here today. My name is Hayden Ratner. I'm the senior pastor here at WALK. And I just want to greet you from my wife, Nina, and our team. It's Christmas time, and we're so glad that you chose to worship with us here Today, we're, we're in a series that we've titled The Colors of Christmas. Colors of Christmas, and really this was a series birthed on my heart as, when you think about Christmas, there's always some type of colors that pop into your head. There's a variety of different colors that represent the season, amen? That represent what Christmas is all about. And last week we looked at the first one, we looked at the color blue. We talked about blue Christmas. I gave you my best Elvis impersonation. Was not very good. And and just wanted to remind us that as a church family, here's what you got to know. Everybody in the room is not having the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, a lot of people this time of the year is very blue. It's very dark. It's very gloomy, especially maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe you just feel discouraged. Maybe you just feel like you can't find that joy to the world. The Lord has come. Yeah, but where is it for me? And we looked at a scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 that discussed how Jesus prophetically is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That if you are feeling blue this Christmas season, that that the everlasting father can still be present, that the wonderful counselor can guide you through your hardship, amen, right? That the prince of peace can actually insert peace into your blueness and make it a little brighter. So hopefully that was helpful for you last week. I was grateful to hear some different content there. But this week we're going into the next phase. Can I get a drum roll, please, of what we're talking about today? And maybe you guessed it. My colors may have given it away. We're talking about a red Christmas here at Walk Church. Right? I love it. Some of y'all are clapping. You're like, we're not even sure what the red represents. But it's going it's, it's to be dope. Amen? It's going to be good. We're talking about red Christmas here at Walk Church, and when I, when I thought about red Christmas, for whatever reason, when I think about Christmas as a whole, I think red. My mind goes to red, and there's a variety of reasons why. I'm gonna put a graphic on the screen. Maybe your mind might go to some different red examples here. Maybe you're thinking about the red elf that's on the shelf, or maybe the red ornament on the tree, Maybe it's the red ribbon wrapping the presents. Maybe it's the red stockings over the fireplace that you probably don't have. Maybe you're like me and you gotta put the fireplace on the TV, right? Just to feel like you're in the moment. Maybe it's the red Santa jingling the red bell in the red bucket outside of the grocery store. Maybe it's, come on, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose like a light bulb. All right, let's keep on going. I don't know what is red about your Christmas, but when I I started to pray about this topic and subject on why Christmas is red, and what is it about the red Christmas that the Bible could speak to plainly, here's where my, my, my mind went. Here's where the Lord began to draw me. He began to draw me to the heart of Christmas, that when I think about what a red Christmas is, I think about the heart of Christmas. And maybe today you would ask the question, well, what is the heart of Christmas? This was the question that I was asking as I was preparing for this sermon. What is the heart of Christmas? What makes Christmas red? And there was a variety of different topics floating around in my spirit, but really I I landed on four words. Here here they go on the screen. The heart of Christmas is the love of God. What, What is the heart of Christmas? Let me tell you. The heart of Christmas is God's love for you. The heart of Christmas is the love of God the Father coming down from heaven through the Son, declaring this message. Hear me, I love you. What is Christmas all about? Christmas primarily, more than the presents under the tree, the Santa, the elf, the ribbon, the reindeer. It's about the heart of God for you. Christmas is about God shouting with a bold shout. I love you. Amen? That's what I want us to lean into. That's what I want us to look into. Because here's what I know. Because I'm talking to myself here as well today. That if you're not careful in this journey of following Jesus and the spiritual warfare and the hustle and the bustle and the struggle and the busyness and the ups and downs of walking with Christ. If you're not careful, that you'll begin to drift from the love of God. And find yourself in a place where you're in a blue season or in a dark season or in a where is God and where is his love. Can I just tell you that the love of God remains. And this sermon, I pray, would help you do that. I I think about... An example, maybe you've heard me share this before, but this past summer, I was able to go to the beach. Anybody go to the beach ever? Anybody ever go to, the, go to the ocean, maybe make that little hop, skip and the jump to California and you find yourself out there, right? Especially when it gets too hot in Vegas. Well, I remember doing that this, this past summer and uh, I remember we got situated there on the sand, got the little, Nina was, got the little umbrella, the towel, you know, a Starbucks drink, do your thing. All right, hey. And me and Epaph, we... We went and darted into the water, and so we were out there splashing and playing and going crazy, and a few minutes go by, and we're like, all right, hold on a second. Where are we at? And for some reason, Nina stayed right where she was in her little area, right? And we somehow ended up all the way back here without even noticing. So what do we do? You got to just kind of trudge your way back to the home base, amen? Amen. Here's my point. In this Christian walk, without you even noticing the ways of the world, temptation, busyness, struggle, pain, begin to just drift us away from God's love. It didn't go anywhere. Christmas, the Christmas season, red Christmas is to draw your spirit back to the love of God. I bet you if I did this by show of hands, you'd see a lot of hands go up. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. But I bet you, if I asked everybody right now to lift your hand, if you could remember a season where you were just more on fire for Jesus than you are today, you could probably remember a moment where you're like, "Man, I used to love God more. I used to like love to worship. I used to, I used to get this book. And I would just, ooh, that was a good day. You know, like I, I, I used to love to share about Jesus, talk about Jesus, walk with Jesus, put on music. I just spend time with Jesus." Maybe you've been through a season where you're like, what happened? I used to be convicted. I'm not even convicted anymore. I feel numb. I used to wake up excited for church. Now I just can barely even get to church. What happened? What happened is you drifted from the love of God. Christmas is there to declare God loves you and to get you back into the rekindling of that flame. Amen? My prayer for this sermon is that that flame would just be ignited and relit a little bit more because of the red Christmas. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we open your word now, help us to be re reinvigorated by your love. And God, may the love that came down for us change everything about us now. On this red Christmas Sunday, God, help us to hear your voice clearly and increase our love for you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 There was once a story in the Bible that has always kind of perplexed me. It's toward the end of Jesus' life on earth. He's been doing so much at this time. He's been making disciples. He rose somebody from the dead. He's healed somebody's blindness. He was walked on water. He turned water into wine. He did miracles all over the spaces that he resided in. Amen. And, And in his works, in his activity, for some reason, there was some religious people that just didn't like it. I don't know why that's the case, but sometimes the religious elite tend to struggle with Jesus. Doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it's a critical spirit. Maybe it's a power thing because when Jesus shows up, he takes power. He he takes control of the wheel. Jesus is not a co-pilot, amen? He's not a passenger seat driver. He'll find a different car to drive. You should say, hey, Jesus, please, you would do a much better job at leading my life than myself. And so the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious elite struggled with Jesus because Jesus wasn't going to compromise. He was going to say, hey, I love you enough to call you to follow me, and that's loving. I've come down for this. Well, toward the end of Matthew in chapter 22, we find this moment where, here's what the text says. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. See, the Pharisees tried their best to stump Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, we're going to mess you up. We're going to trip you up. We're going to put you to the test with the Bible. And they couldn't catch Jesus. Jesus wrote the book. Amen? Amen. Jesus like, y'all got to do a whole lot better. So the Pharisees were like, all right, we'll send the Sadducees in. So the Sadducees try to debate Jesus on the scriptures, and Jesus puts them, Jesus I love it. Jesus silenced the Sadducees. I mean, I love Je- you know, tough Jesus, amen? <laughs> Wise, smart, big, bold, unafraid of anybody, King Jesus. So here's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees do. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they get in a little huddle. This is how I envision it. They gather together. They say, hey, meet me at the temple at this time. They say, hey, we can't. This guy, Jesus, is taking over. He is the Messiah. He is walking. He is born of a virgin, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. What are we going to do to stop him? Because we need control. And so you know what they did? They went the legal route. (laughs) They said, let's hire a lawyer. If we hire a lawyer, he'll put Jesus to the test and he'll be the one to try to test Jesus and stop, stop him. Because if they can get Jesus to contradict himself, they could use something to accuse him of. So I love it right here. They gathered together, verse 35. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. I just, they like send the lawyer in. The lawyer step out. What's up, Jesus? And I just picture Jesus eating some pita bread and hummus, amen? He's just there sitting there. Licking his fingers. He's talking to Peter. He's like, man, these guys are crazy, man. Let me handle this. Let me just go take care of this guy. They should just go join him with, for the food. But their, their hearts are off. Maybe you're here today. Your heart is off. Jesus wants to, wants to lovingly teach you something here today. So they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this is a full question. It's an important question. If you look at the left side of your Bibles, you'll see in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, you'll find that there's books like Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers. You'll find the Levitical law stored up in these three books, even toward the end of Exodus there, as you see the Ten Commandments come to life. And you'll find that there's actually 613 laws commanded by God. That's a lot, amen? Amen. That's a lot to keep track of. Like, dang, how did I do today? How did I match up against the 613? So they tried to test Jesus and say, Jesus, tell us what's the most important one of them all. Jesus, without any type of shrug or any type of flip through the Bible, says, this is an easy question. (laughs) He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Why is Red Christmas so important? Why is the heart so important? Why is love so love flows from the heart? And today, Jesus would say the same thing to you as He says to the Pharisees, Sadducees and lawyers, "God desires for you to love him." What is the heart of Christmas? The heart of Christmas is that God loves you. What's the heart of Christmas for you today? To love him? He says, "Here. God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You may have came to church today. Oh, man, I'm going to step on some toes. You may have came to church like, yo, I really want to go to church. It's Christmas season. I want to get that warm, fuzzy feeling. I want to go to church. And what instead you got was a heart check. (laughs) A heart check. Here's your heart. How are you doing with loving God with all your heart? Is your heart more affectionate towards something or someone else than God? Because here's what the heart of Christmas is. A red Christmas is a heart that's red for God. A heart that's on fire for God. How about your soul? What's your soul passionate about here today? What is consuming your mind? Love the Lord your God. Everybody say all. Y'all know all means all. We don't even need to go to the Greek. I don't need to put a definition from Webster's up for the word all. Love the Lord with all. Are we reading the same book? Does this not convict anybody else? Love the Lord with all your heart. Wow. With all your soul. Here's what I want to encourage you with and I want to challenge you with. As you do a heart check, as you do a soul check, as you do a mind check. Come on, we're coming to the end of 2021. One, in 2022, as you go into this new year, check your heart and say, hey, where's my heart going? Where's my affection? Where's my soul? Where's my mind? Maybe today your soul is more consumed with a sport than it is with a Savior. And let me go ahead and speak to you really quick. As a sports guy, if you got a ticket to the game, invite me, all right? (laughs) I love it. But may it never be that I'm more pumped up and my soul is more filled and consumed with something as temporary as a sporting game than it is for the eternal savior who entered into the world to save sinners like you and me. May my love affection be never compared to something as minimal as a sport or as a shoe or as a temporary relationship than it is to, may I never get more excited about something than I do about Jesus. There might be somebody here in this room, once the worship music started, before we even sang a lyric, they were already. I I don't even care what you on the left or right think. My heart is full. I'm hungry for worship, I'm hungry to love God. I'm filled, I'm not filled with other things. It's not that other things aren't good. It's that other things can't take that place. The thing I want you to ask if you're going to have a red Christmas is, what are the things that are competing for my affection, my soul? What is your soul longing for? Friend, let me go ahead and tell you, if you're single here today, you finding a spouse or finding a partner will not complete your soul. I do, I do weddings all the time. One thing I never say is, this person completes you. No. There's only one that completes you. And his name is Jesus. He cracked open the sky. He came down. And I'm so for weddings and spouses that love each other, but never at the expense of cutting Jesus out. It's like, yo, Jesus, I got married now, so we're going to have to change things. Wait, what? Jesus, like, that wasn't the purpose. I didn't bring her into your life for that. I didn't bring him into your life for that. I didn't give you kids so you could stop going to church and go to baseball games. And that's not why I did that. Check your heart. I didn't give you the job so that you could take off a charge group, right? This is what I'm talking about when it comes to heart. At the end of the day, everybody has 24 hours and everybody does what they want. Whatever you want to do with it, you'll do with it. And, 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 and it comes down to where's your heart? Check your heart before you start. <laughs> like, okay, God, where's my heart today? Hey, maybe you feel a little bit convicted. Maybe what you're doing is you're coming back to the main base. I used to be here. Those are some good memories with Jesus. I want to get back there this year. Can I tell you that God loves you? And not only does God love you, but, friend, God is for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What's consuming your mind today? What are you distracted by? Are you thinking about the past? Are you thinking about the future? Why don't you just think about right now? How, how, how God is right now loving you. He says, this is the great and first commandment, but go ahead, keep on going. Right, This next one is really deep. He says... But the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Just look at the person next to you and say, You're pretty important. You're <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> your neighbor, this happens to be your neighbor at church. Maybe it's your neighbor where you live. Maybe it's your neighbor in the co-working spot. I don't know where who, only you know who this could be, but it's somebody. Amen. amen. There's gotta be somebody. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Could it be, oh, could it be that this whole, the, all 613 rest their weight on these two? L- love your neighbor as yourself. And today, if you are deceiving yourself and maybe you're like, man, I don't even love myself, so this doesn't apply for me. Stop lying. You do love yourself. You got yourself up today. Hopefully you brushed your teeth. Hopefully you did some deodorant, amen, right? Hopefully you, you got, you, somehow you got here. Why? Because you do love yourself. You yeah. want to see yourself win. You want to see yourself succeed. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you, you should. And, and that, Jesus is saying, hey, look, and that same love that you have for yourself begins to then get contagious for the person. I want to see other people win. I want to see, I don't want want to just do it for me. I want to do it for you. I want to do it for us. I want us all to experience the love of God this year. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, love God with all your mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I had to check myself on this just the other day. I was at my son Epaph's Christmas musical for his school, and Maybe this is a little TMI, but I had to take a quick bathroom break. <laughs> so I went into this bathroom, and it's those little elementary school deals. And I'm like, oh, snap. They were all full, so I opened up one of these stalls. And for whatever reason, I see all these, like, wet footprints all over the stall. <laughs> like, one of these little kids was in there. I don't know what they were doing. What was, what's the point of that, right? <laughs> Stepping all over it. So in my mind, you know what I thought? I'm going to go do a different one. (laughs) So I walk out of this stall and I begin to sense the spirit of God saying, so you'll just leave that for somebody else. If you love your neighbor, if you'll go to a different stall because you want something different, why don't you love the person enough to clean it for them, right? And I'm just like, in the bathroom talking to God. I'm like, well, yeah. somebody walks in, I'm like, oh yeah, you great. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm just having a conversation with the Holy Spirit about whether I should clean this or not. And, I, and praise the Lord, I did. I'm not sharing that to boast or anything like that. It was just a, a moment where the sermon was checking me, where I had an opportunity to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to check my heart. Where's my love? Where's my affection? And maybe even today, if you say, hey, you know what? You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you maybe say, you know, I don't really even love myself like that. There's another verse of scripture that takes it deeper. And I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. But you got to hear it. Don't click off. Stay with me. John chapter 13, Jesus, right? Go from Matthew to Mark to Luke to John. In John chapter 13, Jesus talking with his disciples, let us peer into the conversation, amen? Jesus says, a new commandment, everybody say new. New. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Okay, we just heard that. And now Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So maybe today you would say, I don't really love myself, but can I promise you this? God loves you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus then says, I want you to take the way I love you, and I want you to love somebody like that. Here's a good challenge for you. Before 2021 wraps up, challenge from Pastor Hyden. Before this year wraps up, get yourself a journal or a little note piece of paper. Do whatever you need to do. I want you to just begin to write down all the ways Jesus has loved you. Well, let me just highlight that for a second. Just as I have loved you. Just write that at the top. Just as I have loved you. Do the Sports Center top 10 ways Jesus has loved you this year. Amen? Amen. I bet you'll get to, to, to 10 quick. You'll be like, dang, I'm really loved by Christ Himself. And then I want you to take those, those items and say, okay, I'm going start, to start applying these to other people. I'm going to love somebody the same way Jesus loved me. And guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to start loving people through you. People are going to be like, that's really different from you. And you're going to say, I know. It's not even me. I wouldn't do that. (laughs) It's Christ in me. Jesus is changing the world through me, through his church. We are the hands, the feet, the mind, the heart. So we love God, he begins to love others through us. I wanna encourage you, first off, that you're loved by God. Christmas tells you that. And maybe you'd ask today, okay, well, let me go ahead and expand that. I wanna encourage you in this topic of love that, that when it comes to us loving God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, that there's a very real link to our love to the biblical word obedience. Now this is a difficult topic to to talk about because when it comes to obedience, it can be very sticky, amen? Like I went to church and the pastor told me that all these things I gotta do. And can I just say really quick, disclaimer, that's not what I'm trying to do. My, My objective this morning is not to tell you all the things you need to start doing. My objective this morning is to try to encourage you to love God. Because what I'm very keenly aware of is that the more you love God, the more the other things will happen. There's a scripture for it. If you're ready, say ready. Let me show show you John, go 13 to 14. Bump up to the next chapter. John 14, can we read it together? Ready, go. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Did you catch that? I think we need to do it again. Here we go, one more time. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What I realized is that keeping Jesus's commandments are really the byproduct of love. That obedience to Christ is the fruit that comes from love. That love is the seed that grows the fruit. Did you catch it? Maybe, maybe it's, 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 it's formulating in your mind right now. I'm just trying to help make it plain. Let me give you a reality statement. Maybe this will help make it plain. We'll put it up here on the screen. If you have an obedience problem, it's because you first have a love problem. Did you catch it? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He's not saying that this is what you should do. He's saying that this will just automatically happen. Church, hear me. Obedience is more organic than it is effort. Did you catch it? That obedience to Christ is actually the thing that flows out of our love for Christ. So today, if you're thinking, dang, I got to get my life together. I got to stop drinking. I got to stop smoking. I got to stop sleeping. I got to stop doing all these things. No, you don't need to stop. You need to start loving. Yeah. And then you'll stop doing. The motivation behind what you do is everything. You could become a Pharisee and, and be completely perfect in all of your ways and still not love Jesus. Does that make sense? But if you start loving Jesus, you will obey Jesus. Catch it? John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I read this quote from Oswald Chambers. He wrote a book by a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest, a great daily devotional. If you need a devotional, check out this one. He says, if we obey God, it is going to cost other people more than it costs us. And that is where the sting comes in. If we are in love with our Lord, obedience doesn't cost us anything. It's a delight. But it costs those who do not love him a good deal. Let me ask you this. When it comes to obeying God, does it feel like it costs you a lot? Or does it feel like I love God a lot? He saying we're in love with Jesus. Obedience shouldn't feel so costly because it's coming out of the root of I love him. That, that, that obedience is the fruit. It's the byproduct. It, it's the thing that comes out of love. Let me put that reality statement back up on the screen. I, I want this to try to sink in because I don't want you, I know that there's a risk here. I know that there's a thin line where you might think, okay, Pastor Hyden kind of beat me up today with the Bible. I need to start doing a whole bunch of stuff. You can even start loving that that's what I'm focused in on. I want to zero in on where's your love at today. Maybe it. it maybe, here's a sticky topic. Money, generosity. Hey pastor, you know what I'm saying? Like I just really struggle with tithing. You know what I hear? I hear a love issue. I don't hear a struggle with money. Jesus himself says you can either serve God or you can serve money. It's a love thing. Amen. Maybe today you would say, you know what, i really struggle, you know, like, it's hard for me to be obedient to Jesus in the area of lust. It's not that it's hard for you to be obedient. It's just that you don't love God enough. I'm just going to call it what it is. I really, you know, I, the times I open the Bible is when I come to church on Sunday. And I open it again the next Sunday. I don't have any interest. It's not that you don't have any interest. It's just that you just don't love God like that. Does it make sense? There's a conviction that follows that. But check this out. When you start loving God, oh, snap. It will be the difference maker in your life. I'm giving you some secret. I'm giving you a code hack on life. Love God. Praise God for the lawyer that said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus goes, love me. With your mind, with your heart, with your soul, and maybe today this is just a one of those little, a dashboard in a car—the meter, the full, the empty. Where, where's your love for God? It's like, man, I got—I'm like right there in the mid. I got like mid love. I got, I got medium love. You know, what I'm saying I like—I like God. He's cool. He's like number seven on my top ten list. I'm cool. I plan on coming to Christmas. He's cool. Like, that's—that's that's where most of us are at. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You want to stay mid? Stay mid. I'm going to stay here, though. Jesus is saying, I'm going to stay here, though. You can drift. You can be in the vicinity. You can be in the big ocean. But but, but stay close to to the flame, amen? Feel the sparks come out of that fire, a love for God. If you have an obedience problem, and here's what I know. Everybody in this room has some type of obedience problem. Nobody's exempt from the flesh. Do you know the Apostle Paul, who wrote one-third of the New Testament? He wrote the book of Galatians, Philippians, Corinthians, right? all those different books, Romans. Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 7 says, God, why do I keep doing the things I don't wanna do? I hate my flesh. I struggle. That the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church, the churches that he planted, and he's saying, I do the same things I don't wanna do. Come on, Right? If you don't have any obedience problem, why don't you just go to heaven now? <laughs> all of us are working on something, amen? We're all growing in some area. But what I realized in this red sermon for Christmas, the, the color red is, is, that the times when I struggle to pray, the times when I struggle to read, the times when I struggle to not give in, the times when I struggle, you ever heard somebody? I'm not gonna forgive that person. That's just, that's a love issue. The times where you feel that way, right? I realize it's, it's actually less having to do with me and my strength. It's more having to do with me and my affection. The reason why I can do all things through Christ is because I love him. Amen? Amen. Like, I would be a, a pretty, lousy husband if let's just say I was living in a way that wasn't honoring to the Lord, I was making a lot of bad decisions, I was making a lot of wrongful decisions that hurt my wife, and she knew it, and I knew it, but I would always say, but you know I love you. I think at some point, Nina would be like, I don't believe you. And I wonder if many people today would Remember when they used to have like the little bios on Facebook or like on MySpace? Anybody remember MySpace? You got to put your little one-sentence bio. I remember people used to always say, God first. Uh, first off, love Jesus. I wonder if Jesus would say, I don't believe you. Like, I know you trust God, but can God trust you? I, I know that God loves you, but come on, right? And, and so there's a temptation to say, okay, I gotta get my life together. I gotta start doing right. I gotta start working hard. You'll find yourself dropped into the category of a Pharisee. Quick, if you don't, if you're not motivated by, by love for Jesus, amen? I'm sharing that as a fellow struggler. I'm on the journey. Pastor Hyden's on the journey with you, growing in my one of my prayers for 2022. God, I wanna love you more. God, I pray I love you more than I did last year. I hope I don't decrease my love. I hope I increase my love. Because I know if I love you, I'll do the things that you call me to do. And it will be motivated by love. Check this out. John chapter 14, verse 15. This is just a cool little tip. John 14, 15. If you flip it, John 15, 14, here's the verse. You are my friends if you do what I command you. John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey me. John 15, 14, Jesus links it to friendship. I am a friend of God, but do I do what he says? <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, look, let's, let's measure our friendship level with Christ. Isn't that just wild that Jesus would refer to us as friends? Like, don't settle for being an acquaintance with Jesus. Don't just settle for being a good church attender. Like, how's your relationship with Jesus? Oh, I go to church. That's not what I asked you. See, so your relationship with Jesus is more based off of something you do rather than someone you know. I, I actually have a love relationship with Jesus an agape, hot flame love. It's a red Christmas. You are my friend. I have a friendship with Jesus. Just that idea, I'm like, man, I got to increase my friendship, I got to spend more time. The people that you love, it's not as hard to communicate with, amen? Like the people that you have deep love for and love with, you could probably have eye contact and know what they're saying. Jesus says, I wanna have such a tight-knit love with you that we walk together, we grow together, we spend time together. Listen to this proverb, I'm almost done, promise you. There's enough in this sermon for me to really lean into and apply in my own self. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 17. Can we read this together? Ready, go. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me, amen? Wow! That's what we in this 21st century pop culture call same energy, all right? You ever been around somebody and you're giving them really big energy and they don't have the same energy towards you? Can I just set you free? Don't give somebody big energy who's not gonna give it back to you. Just saying that. Here's the cool thing. Jesus is saying the same thing. Jesus is saying, I'm scanning the room this. Do you know that God has x-ray vision? That for real. He says it in the Proverbs, he says, I search the heart of man. The heart of Christmas. Jesus is looking past your actions. He's looking directly into your heart. He's scanning and he's panning the room and he's looking for who love him. Is there anybody at this church who loves me? I love those who love me. Those who seek me diligently find me. Can I give you a definition for diligent? Come on worship team, come back, come, come up here and cl- cl- help me get off the stage. I get, this is like, there's so much content in this sermon. This might be a two-parter. Diligently. Characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Those who seek me diligently. Come on, how's your seeking level today? This is end of the year stuff, amen? We gotta, we gotta have an end of the year report on our lives. Maybe you have like a year-end report. At your, We did this this year. We did this this year. How did you do this year? How's your seeking? How's your steadiness? How's your earnest? How's your effort? Don't be deceived as if you can just turn these volumes up and do it in your own strength. It's gotta be motivated by love. God says, I love those who love me. Those who seek me diligently, they're gonna find me. If you feel like today, you're like, man, I just feel like I have been missing Jesus. Friend, I wanna encourage you to start seeking, amen? Seeking him and Noticing that he's a lot closer. He never left that home base. And you can find him there. Jesus is there to be found. That this Christmas, God loves you. I'm gonna ask you to do something uncomfortable. Say it out loud with me, because sometimes when you say it out loud, it just unlocks something. Could you just say, God loves me. God loves me. (sighs) God loves me. I want to put this up on the screen. Like the reality is that God loves you. He does. The question is, what should be our response to God's love? Right? What what is the, walk church, hear me, online, hear me. I'm almost done. What's the right response to God's love? You ready? Let's put it up here on the screen. The right response to love God back. That is the heart of this sermon. The, the, The main point of the sermon is, the question is, What's a red Christmas? Well, the red Christmas is the reality that God loves us. So much so he even sent Jesus for us. So what's the response? I love God back. I wanna read a passage of scripture and then we're gonna close in a song of worship, but it's out of the book of Romans. I don't have time to unpack it. This would be a whole series. Romans chapter five. And what I wanna do is I just wanna read these scriptures over you and your heart today wanna speak them over your life. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church that I pray give you a glimpse into God's love this morning. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse three, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, amen. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, Walk Church, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It gets even better. Verse 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time, amen. Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But here church, hear me. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Just that revelation, that reminder, hopefully stokes the flame again in your spirit moves you back to the home base and says, Jesus, I wanna stay, I wanna stay with you. I love you. Thank you for loving me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love toward us. God, thank you that you call us friends. Thank you that you call us sons and daughters, those who know you, those who call upon you. Call us to love you and obedience will follow. God, I pray that as you are awakening our souls to certain things this morning, I pray that the main thing would be the love of God and that God, we would love you more. And if there's somebody here right now, right today, that you came here to church today and you came with the best intentions, but you know you don't love God, you know that you're far from him, but you wanna come back home. You're ready to make a decision. You don't know what tomorrow looks like, but right now you have a moment. I wanna invite you right now to go to to him. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready. I receive your love. I receive your grace. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill my heart with love for you. I turn away from my past. I'm ready to walk with you today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God.